Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. We tried to tell you. We tried to tell you. Where are you, Heat fans? Where are you today? It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Chris, I can't do anything if they're not going to listen. All I can do is tell you, and if you choose to accept what is reality and truth, good for you. If you don't, I can't help you. Carla, nobody likes the guy that wants to say, I told you so, but that's not going to stop us from telling all the Heat fans oh. that we told you how this series was going to go. You didn't want to listen, but now you got to be forced to face the harsh reality that your team is in for one in the conference finals. And you got run out the gym last night. It is Canty and Carlin, as we said. Boy, we have got so much to get into today, filling in for Greeny. Why, Steph has got an awful lot on the line in these Western Conference Finals. And trust me, Nick Saban knew exactly what he was doing all the time throughout. We will tell you all about that in just a little bit. We've got Buster only 40 minutes from now to fill us in on how the Mets are going to weather the Max Scherzer injury. But as you would expect, let's roll right now in one place. Here we go! Go, go. Only one place to start. Oh, the depot inbounds, and that'll do it. The Boston Celtics will win this one to even the series at one apiece. Marcus Smart with a big game. Al Horford also in his return with a stellar night. Sean Kelly on ESPN Radio. And, Chris, just the sound of the uh, and the fans that we just had that collective ugh really tells the story of what happened last night as the Miami Heat got their doors blown off at home because the Celtics in the second quarter were or in, uh, later in the first quarter rather were able to turn it on and they never looked back and if you can get that much of a boost from one player being back the Celtics certainly showed that they took a huge boost last night from the return of Marcus Smart well, the Celtics were whole, Carlin. I mean, people dismissed the fact that you were missing two starters coming off of a seven-game series with the reigning defending champs in the Milwaukee Bucks, and you're talking about playing three games in three different cities over the span of five days. So fatigue was a factor, and from a continuity standpoint, you didn't have the guys that brought you to the dance. So I get why we didn't see the best version of the Celtics in game one of the conference finals. Mm-hmm. But you can throw all of that out last night because you did have Al Horford back off of COVID, and you did have Marcus Smart back off of the foot sprain, and both of those guys proved to make a huge difference. Now, I think Horford's contribution was more the defensive end, keeping Bam out of bio and P.J. Tucker in check, but Marcus Smart's contribution, I mean, everybody wants to tout him for his defensive prowess, but Carlin, we have been saying on this show all week that this is the guy that's the orchestrator of the offense, and he proved that in yesterday's game. You don't have to look any further than the first two nope. buckets that the Celtics scored. I mean, one was an outstanding fine for Jalen Brown for a three-point shot, and then he threw the oop to Robert Williams. Like, he was the guy that was the catalyst to get everything going, and then after Ime got that timeout when the team went down 15-8, to eight, the Celtics proceeded to go on a 27-6 to six run to close out the quarter, and they didn't look back. So there is no question that Marcus Smart makes a huge difference on both ends of the court. And that's why Ime played him over 40 minutes last night coming off of a foot sprain. But, Carlin, based on what we saw from these teams over the course of the first two games, I don't know that this is going to be a long series. I I mean, a lot of people are projecting this thing to be six or seven. 
we have the potential for this to be a gentleman's sweep because the Boston Celtics are the, just that much better than the Miami Heat. If you look at the first two games, they've outplayed the Heat, save one quarter, that third quarter in game one, where the Heat outscored them 39 to 14. Every other quarter, Boston has outplayed Miami. So I don't know that this is going to be the long series that we were expecting coming into this thing. Look, I want to give them some credit, and I want to say that they're going to get to six games, but that's about the best I can do, especially based off of what I saw last night. And I'm sure a Heat fan is going to say, well, it's just one game. No, 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 no. That's not the mentality of just one game. It's a couple of things. It's not understanding that Marcus Smart, as you said, it's a two-way play. And all they think about, all that most people think about when they hear the name Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. They don't think about the offensive influence. I mean, was he a rebound short of a triple-double? I yeah. mean, he was one rebound. One yeah. rebound short, yeah. 12 assists in the game last night. The guy changes the dynamic completely on the offensive end. So let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless and hear from Marcus Smart on being back out there on the floor last night after missing game one. I was pumped. You know, I felt bad that I couldn't be out there with my teammate and go to battle with him. You know, we're playing against a really good Miami Heat team, and, you know, it's a blessing to be on the same court with him and going to, going to war, and it's just tough not to be out there, you know. So, But I got to get my rest, got to get my health back, got to watch and see some things and come out and execute this game. And look, you, you, you not only see that, but I know that so much gets made of like when we saw him the other night. And by the way, what was a fantastic outfit. I don't think we gave him nearly enough credit for the uh, street clothes that he was wearing the other night. That was prime cabana wear. But when he ben, was ben getting after it. Maybe? Ben, ben Simmons-esque, maybe? Uh, ben Simmons-esque? Oh, better than Ben Simmons. He didn't need to go over and remind anybody that it was lambskin and not leather. That was just fantastic. <laughs> but that aside... You see that in that spot, he's the guy that they're actually listening to, even though he's yelling at him and they're getting their, you know, they're getting beat up pretty good the other night. They're listening to him, and you see that influence. Here's the other thing, Chris. I know that the Heat fan wants to sit here and tell us how great Jimmy Butler is, and we're not going to deny that. But at least acknowledge that when you fall behind like that, he's the only answer that you really have to try to come back. You don't have many other opportunities to get back in a game like that in case in point third quarter they're down by 29 they cut it to 17 and you're thinking oh maybe no no because jimmy butler was the reason they cut it to 17 you had maybe a couple of threes here and there from gabe vincent they don't have anybody else who is offensively capable of coming back from a 12 or 14 point deficit let alone 29 well, the other guy that they have coming off the bench is Tyler Hero, but he's a liability on the defensive end. So, Carlin, you got some problems in terms of having enough guys that can create shots for themselves and create shots for the other guys on the team. And, yeah, outside of Jimmy Butler, you don't have anybody for the Heat that consistently does that. But if you look at the Boston Celtics, they have several guys that are capable of doing that. Jason Tatum is a playmaker. Jalen Brown is a playmaker. And, of course, you already mentioned Marcus Smart. So, You've got three options in terms of guys that can be disruptive, guys that can break down the defense off the bounce, guys that can knock down open shots, but guys that can also force the defense to gravitate toward them to create open looks for other guys. And that's exactly what Marcus Smart did in that first half. Carlin, I mean, when I heard this stat, it blew my mind. The Celtics in the first half were a perfect 7 of 7 from the field 
on Marcus Smart passes. The guy had seven assists in the first half, and his teammates didn't miss a shot that they took off of one of his passes. He was plus 26 in 21 minutes. That's how good Marcus Smart was in the first half of that game, and he just continued to carry that through into the second half. So to your point, when Miami finds themselves in a hole against Boston like they did yesterday, they don't have a lot of hope outside of Jimmy Butler and being able to climb out of it, which is why I think the complexion of this series has the potential to look a lot different than we all anticipated. Yeah, look, the other thing, too, is can we save it on Hero for a bit? Can we save it on Tyler Hero? Because the last six games in the postseason, he's four for 24 from three, and he hasn't done anything. I mean, this is a guy that I know was the sixth man of the year and averaged 21 points. He hasn't, he hasn't, he's scored 20, he scored 25 in game one of the Sixers series, and that's pretty much it since. I mean, I'm not going to get worked up about what Tyler Hero is capable of doing last night. I didn't see it. I haven't seen it in a while now. And look, don't ever forget the edge that the Celtics play with. Listen to Ime Odoka after the game last night on his team needing to be reminded as to what happened in game one. I think we were upset with how that third quarter went and specifically how we got out toughed. Um, it wasn't a lot of, like I said, a lot of schemes or defensive or offensive changes. They just came out and kind of punked us in that third quarter. And so uh, we looked at the three quarters and how well we had done, you know, winning those quarters and knew if we just matched our physicality, we could be better. And so uh, kind of, Reminded us of Milwaukee the first game a little bit and didn't want to get caught off guard again, but shouldn't take one of those and, you know, opportunity that we had. But I think our guys have bounced back really well all year, um, especially in the second half of the year. Haven't lost a lot of you know, two games in a row in a while. And um, I think obviously adding Marcus and, and Al back gave us a little boost as far as that. But guys have pride and um, looked at a golden opportunity that we kind of lost and thought we could do much better and did that tonight. This is the thing. They regain focus so easily in the playoffs because of the influence of Smart, because of the influence of Tatum, but also because of the influence of Adoka. And it, Eric Spolster is an amazing coach, and he's a, he's the better coach in this series. But Udoka's an, an emerging star as a coach, and you see that. You see a guy, too, and, and I don't get caught up in this a lot, Chris, when you see a coach – more animated on the sideline, but when you see him animated going into a timeout and really getting after guys, but it's not like they're tuning him out. They're listening to what he's saying. I mean, that says a lot about how they respect him. Well, I mean, as far as in-game adjustments go and being able to, you know, feel the heartbeat of the game, I think Ime has a great pulse on all of those things, but Beyond that, Carlin, just just think about it. He talked about it. They hadn't lost back-to-back games since the end of March. Since the calendar year switched over to 2022, you're talking about this team being 12-3 after a loss. So that's a reflection of the leadership in the locker room, but it's also a reflection of the leadership of the head coach. And that's where you have to give Ime a lot of credit to be able to get this group to refocus and, and make the adjustments where necessary and the execution in the critical moments of the game. I think this team has done an outstanding job of that throughout the course of this postseason. And so last night was no different, and they kept their foot on the gas in the second half. And that was the interesting thing that I wanted to see. After such a dominant first half, I wanted to see whether Boston would be able to 
keep their foot on the gas in the second half. And to their credit, they absolutely did that. They led by as many as 29 in the first half, but they were able to extend that lead into the second half. So, I mean, that, that was probably the most impressive part, the fact that they were able to build that lead up to 34 points um, because they recognize the challenge that is the Miami Heat, and they know that they're a well-coached team that's going to come out with more intensity, more physicality, and more attention to detail, especially being down in the hole that they were. So you got to give credit where credit is due. Not only the players responding after a lackluster game one performance, but Ime being able to push the right buttons in order to get the best out of his And I'll tell you the other thing, too, here. I say this confidently. I know that Milwaukee went into Boston and won twice. Heat are not winning in Boston. I don't see it. I think they're going to be down three games to one. They'll go home. It'll be a last-ditch effort, and they will find a way to get to a game six. But that's about as close. Like, I don't think – I want to give them a little bit more credit than a gentleman's sweep. They're not winning in Boston. No, I'm not doing that, Carlin. I can't do that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say it with my chest that they're, they're going to be done in five, but I can't say that Miami's going to push it to a game six. I can't say either one of those with any degree of confidence, and I think I that's just how domin- dominating the performance that Boston put on last night was. I understand and you're it. Starting to, you're trying to look at the Miami Heat team and see where the answers are going to come from, and I just don't know where Spo is going to find it. That Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. I'm looking at our phone lines, and it's funny. I don't see any Heat fans yet. It's Come amazing. on, Heat fans. Where you at now? Yeah. Where you at? Where I've been hearing a lot from you the we, last we, couple we, of days. We, we let y'all peacock when y'all won game one. Or you're not going to show up like your team didn't show up last night. Oh, they're going to pull no show? That's up <laughs> wow. to you. That's wow. up to you. They better get on board now while their team is still relevant because it might not be once they get back from Boston. It's Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. What do your home and auto have in common? They're yours, and Progressive protects them both. Bundle today at Progressive.com. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Show up. Show up, Miami. Where are you? Come on out, because you you certainly were out there after game one. Have some guts and show up. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny in just moments. If there is a way... For the Miami Heat to actually come back in this series, the man who will join us in just a moment will be able to tell you what that is. And then we will quickly shoot it down. It's Canty and Carlin on Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Well, I mean, I think he's just a security blanket. Uh, normally, obviously, he's the defensive player of the year. And it's knocked away by Marcus Smart. And Smart brings it up 
into the front court for Boston. Oh, he put Struess on his knees and reminded him how good God has been to him. You know, I felt bad that I couldn't be out there with my teammate and go to battle with him. You know, we're playing against a really good Miami E team, and, you know, it's a blessing to be on the same court with him. That was an ugly moment for Max Struess, no doubt. <laughs> Marcus Smart was in the zone last night. 24 points, 12 assists, 9 rebounds in the zone. Brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. For more on the Heat and the Celtics and the Western Conference Finals as well, we welcome in from around the horn in Sirius XM NBA Radio. It is the great Frank Isola. And with uh, Canty and Carlin filling in for Greeny today, Frank that was not pretty last night for the Miami Heat. What was the most concerning aspect of that if you're Eric Spolstra? Chris Squared, what's up? How you guys doing? <laughs> I think if you're Eric Spolstra, I thought Jeff Van Gundy talking about a lot last night, just the size of the Boston Celtics. And I think without Kyle Lowry, it's just going to be so much uh, harder for them. You know, Gabe Vincent, Max Drews, you know, terrific stories. You know, both really good players, but this is like a different moment now. You know, Miami, if you look at what's gone on in the playoffs thus far, you know, now they're going on the road tied at 1-1. They haven't been in an adverse situation like this right now. In Boston, on a Saturday night, that's going to be pretty scary. And if you really take away that third quarter of game one, which was pretty stunning to see the Celtics get outscored by 25 points in the third. Think about this. When Phoenix played that game seven, that awful game seven, an all-time bad game seven, not even they got outscored by 25 points in a quarter. And I think a lot of that had to do with the experience of Al Harford and Marcus Smart not being there, that toughness that they bring. And you look at the difference that both those players made yesterday. They're both ball movers. They both know how to play. The experience, the confidence that they bring. You know, it really, except for that one quarter that Miami had, the series thus far has been all Boston, and Boston's getting stronger because Derek White should be back for the game on Saturday, and assuming that no one else goes into health and safety protocols and assuming that no one's carrying an injury that would hold them out, Boston looks pretty good right now. Frank, last night marked the third time in the last seven games that the Boston Celtics have knocked down 23-point shots or more, and they did it on better than 50% shooting. Teams in the postseason that have at least 23-pointers on better than 50% shooting are 16-1. and one. My question to you is simple. Is this sustainable for the Boston Celtics moving forward, being able to shoot the basketball the way they have over the last couple of weeks? Well, and I think, Chris, I think the big thing, too, is it's that they're getting good shots. And I think, you know, Jason Tatum last year who had a good season, and then, but, but not, he's not playing the way that he is now. And even in November, on our show, when they got off to a slow start in November, every day we're taking calls from people from Boston. We've got to break up Tatum and, um, and Brown. We've got to break them up. But Tatum – you know, is just a better playmaker now. And if you go back to Game 7, when Grant Williams made all those three-pointers against, against Milwaukee, that was Jason Tatum passing out of the double team and finding the open man. And I think now that Tatum does that, they take open shots. So they're not, yes, they're three-point shots, and when you're not making them, it looks ugly, but they're all good shots. They're getting open shots. They're making that extra pass. And you saw Marcus Smart and Al Horford always making that extra pass. So that's how they're going to play. And it's really going to be up to Miami to try to shut it down. And I'm I'm not so sure they could do that. I think as long as those guys are healthy and playing like that, they're going to get good shots. Frank Isola, of course, from around the horn and SiriusXM NBA Radio. Frank, do the Heat have enough offensively besides Jimmy Butler to hold up in this series, especially if they find themselves down 12 in the third quarter in a game? 
Well, think about this. Bam Adebayo scored six points on six shots. Tyler Hero had 11 points on 11 shots. So you have no chance of winning if the guys that you're relying on to be your second and third best players combine for 17 points on 17 shots. It's just simply not good enough. Hero should play better. But remember this, and we talked about this when they were in the bubble. You know, the one thing about Miami going on, you know, that terrific run, that a lot of young players, none of them ever had to play in a road game. Now, the Lakers back then with LeBron, a more experienced team, I don't think the road would have hurt them. I'm going to be really interested to see how guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess play on Saturday night in Boston. You guys know the way that crowd's going to be up there. A Saturday night in Boston, with, with them knowing there are now only three wins from going to the NBA Finals, that's going to be a pretty interesting environment up there. I just don't know where they can get that scoring from. You know, Jimmy Butler... He wasn't going to get 41 again. So, And if Kyle Lowry's not going to play, that's big. Kyle Lowry's been in the NBA Finals before. He has a ton of playoff experience. He's flopping all over the court. He's a good defensive player. Without him, I just think I think it's going to be really tough for Miami to overcome the Boston Celtics. Talking with ESPN NBA analyst Frank Isola on Greeny. And, Frank, Jason Tatum has really elevated himself this postseason in terms of the perception of the caliber of player he is around the NBA. A lot of people were talking about him being a top 10 player, this conversation about him being a top five player. But the thing I want to lock in on is something that you already mentioned, which is his efficiency and his shot selection. Throughout the course of the playoffs, when Jason Tatum shoots over 50%, the Boston Celtics are 6-0. and In all other games, they're 3-4. and So is the Celtics' formula for success as, as simple as Jason Tatum being able to be more selective with his shot his shots that he's taking, and then also being able to be a playmaker for the other guys on the court. I definitely think that has a lot to do with it. I get an MVP vote. I voted him fifth. I thought he had that good of a season, especially when you look at what Boston did, you know, from, you know, I think when they lost to the Knicks in November, in January, on January 6th, I believe they were 18 and 21 at that point. And then they turned their season completely around. And most of it was because of Jason Tatum, you know, Tatum, uh, you know, wanted to emulate Kobe Bryant. And the problem was he was kind of emulating Kobe Bryant the latter stages of Kobe's career when Kobe was you know, in his <laughs> 30s and mostly doing isolation and fadeaway jumpers. When Kobe was Jason Tatum's age, he was attacking the basket. And I think Tatum has really grown as a player. I give Ime Yudoka a lot of credit, but I also think Tatum being around now and playing in a lot of big games before you know, has had a lot to do with it. He's just become a much more complete player. You know, he's not on the level of LeBron as a passer. He's not on the level of Luka Doncic as a passer. But I just think that he's a more willing passer, knowing that he's still going to get his shots. And come on, you you guys know this. The mark of all these great players, it still comes down to, you know, especially in basketball, how do you do come playoff time? Do you make it to the finals? Do you you win an NBA championship? So Jason Tatum is going to have all the money he's ever going to need. We know he's going to make the all-star team a bunch of times and, you know, maybe he's got a chance to win a scoring title. I think he's good enough to be an MVP in the league one day. But, you know, to get into that class of, you know, superstar elite type of company, it's about getting to a finals and winning a championship. And I do think he's driven by that. That guy is immensely talented, and he's absolutely huge. I mean, you know, when you play him at small forward, he creates so many matchup problems. I think his game, he's just grown so much as a player and the fact that Boston is kind of willing to stick with their players. Because think about this, guys. Last year, Miami got swept in the first round. Boston won one game. So the two of them combined for one playoff win. But they're in good organizations that don't just panic every time you know something goes wrong. 
they kind of stay the course. They try to get better. Yeah, they make some minor alterations to the roster. I get that. And look where both the teams are. And I think Boston is a terrific organization which really doesn't overreact. Really what they did, they knew they had to change their backcourt. It was Campbell Walker and Evan Fournier. I have no idea what team those guys ended up on. Maybe you guys could uh, <laughs> fill me in. And they, and they went out and got Al Horford, who everyone probably thought was done. Al Horford was huge. How well did he play against Milwaukee? And they make Marcus Smart the full-time point guard. Maybe he should have been the point guard all those years when it was, you know, Isaiah Thomas and it was Kyrie Irving and it was Kemba Walker for a couple years. Maybe it should have been Marcus Smart all over. But Marcus Smart elevating his game and Al Horford kind of having a resurgence here, a renaissance season, has really been huge for Boston. Cantia Carlin and for Grinny on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker. Uh, Frank Isola joining us from Sirius XM NBA Radio and Around the Horn. All right, Frank, so you mentioned it. They don't panic. They're a good organization. The Miami Heat have done those kinds of things before. So if you're Eric Spolstra, how are you drawing this up to make sure that you're staying in this series and you have an opportunity? Yeah, well, if you don't get Kyle Lowry back, you know, you just – and now, remember, too, the other big thing is um, P.J. Tucker is getting an MRI in his left knee. Now, P.J. Tucker's a tough guy, so I think it would take a significant injury in order for him not to play – but that doesn't mean that he's uh, that he's not going to be limited. So that's huge. If one of those, if if Kyle's not going to play, and if PJ Tucker is limited, I don't know where they're going to get that scoring from. Maybe they could find um, maybe Duncan Robinson, who you know lost his spot in the starting lineup and is out of the rotation. I think they're going to need Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo. Are just going to have to play a lot better. And Tyler Hero is the guy that could open things up because he's got the ability to put the ball on the floor get to the basket, drop fouls, plus he could also knock down three-pointers. You know, Eric Spolster's got a ton of experience in something like this, so he knows. But I would also think that he's smart enough to know that his team could be in a little bit of trouble here because when you watch Boston playing, when they had everybody, they look like the Boston team that smoked the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Yes, they did play a Milwaukee team that didn't have Chris Middleton, but go back to that game six. And again, you know, you talk about making your bones in the NBA playoffs, it's how you do on the road. And Jason Tatum scored 46 points in the elimination game in Milwaukee. And then last night, a game that, you know, they didn't have to have. You can go down 0-2 and still come back and win a series. We saw Dallas do that against the Phoenix Suns. But it to- told you a lot about their character. They're now 4-0 and following a loss in the playoffs. That's pretty good. Frank, with switching gears and looking toward the game tonight, game two, Mavs-Warriors, I, I know that, that that game is not reflective of the kind of team that Dallas is, um, what we saw in game one of the conference finals, but what adjustments do Jason Kidd and Luka Doncic need to make in game two in order to make this more competitive? Yeah, it's, it's still going to come down. A, cutting down turnovers is a big part of it. Luka had seven in the first game. You know, other guys making shots is going to be important, which they did in the first round against the Phoenix Suns. And there they got up to the slow start where they fell behind 0-2. You know, a big issue I think Dallas is going to have, if you look at their series against Utah with Rudy Gobert, you know, they were able to exploit that. They were able to exploit DeAndre Ayton. You know, Golden State, a little bit more versatile on defense with Kavon Looney, who can jump out and, and defend as well. I think, and Andrew Wiggins, it's funny. So Andrew Wiggins is a former number one overall pick. You never really, you know, the only time, we talked about him this year was when uh, we didn't know about his vaccination status. He tried to get the religious exemption in order to play. Then he ended up getting the shot. Then he kind of disappears, even though he was an all-star. He's not really someone that you talk about much. And now all of a sudden we're talking about him because he was really good 
defensively in game one. I just think they have enough defensively, and there's such an offense. You know, they move the ball so well, they always find the open shooter. And I think a big issue that Dallas is going to have, it took a lot for them to get past Phoenix, no question about it. But against the Warriors, you know, with those with the core of that team, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, of course, Steph Curry, they've been through it so many times. You, you almost get the sense that they feel it now. I almost, you know, I hate that cliche, you know, sometimes, you know, a statement game, but it really did feel like they were kind of making a statement in game one that they're just going to be really difficult to beat. I think if Dallas falls behind 0-2 in this series, I'm not so sure they're going to win four of the last five like they did against the Phoenix Suns. Frank, as always, outstanding insight. We appreciate it. Guys, keep up the good work. I'll see you. Frank Isola, Sirius XM NBA Radio, and, of course, Around the Horn joining us. Heat fans, your chance right now, 888-729-3776. Where are you at? Time to show up. Unlike your team, in growing companies, there are two kinds of CFOs, the ones overwhelmed with manual processes, errors, and the lack of control of the numbers, and the one who uses NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. With visibility and control of financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Head to netsuite.com slash for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer, netsuite.com slash Greeny. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Let's get to it. Brian is up first, wants to check in on the Miami Heat. Brian, you're on ESPN Radio. What do you got? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, let's go here. Do we have a little overreaction by the media once again? I don't uh, think so. Who won the first? Who, who won the first game? That would be the Miami Heat. Okay, who won the second game? The Celtics. Okay, let's let's just pump the brakes here. Celtics had a good game. Miami played bad. They didn't shoot the ball well. There you go. End of the story. Yeah, not the end of the story, Brian. I'm sorry. That's that's not the end of the story because if you pay attention to what happened, we told you that what happened in Game One had an awful lot to do with what's going on with the um, the fact that they had three games in five days and in, in three different cities, as Chris talked about, and they were a very tired team in Game One. I I just I, I'm sorry. I'm going to chalk a lot of it up to that because I've said this all along. Give me the more talented team. And the Celtics are the more talented team. Well, Carlin, here's the thing. I mean, in the playoffs, most teams shorten their bench and they have a seven-man rotation. You were down two starters in game one of the conference finals. So there weren't a whole lot of guys that Ime Udoka, the Boston Celtics head coach, had confidence to put in the game. I mean, when you were going to have to play Aaron Neesmith minutes, when you're playing guys like, you know, when you're playing Daniel Tice significant minutes, like that's not where you want to be if you're the Boston Celtics. So getting back Al Horford and Marcus Smart was huge in terms of having continuity with your starting lineup, but then also just making sure that you have the right kind of rotations and you have the right kind of bench. I just I don't understand why people gloss over the fact that the Celtics didn't have two of their key pieces to start out that series, two starters. It, it makes no sense to me. And, and as much as the Heat fan wants to bring up Kyle Lowry, he has been bad in the playoffs when he has been out there. And that was before the hurt, the injury. Yeah. It was before it. Kyle Lowry's a guy that averages, what, 14, 15 a game? He's averaging six in the postseason. Yeah. And shooting in the 20s. So, 
Listen, I'll say this about Kyle Lowry. Kyle I like Lowry him. might not he might not be producing in terms of points, but what he brings in the way of intangibles and defense and leadership, like th- th- that's that's a loss. But I'm not gonna gonna say it's as significant as a loss as what we saw from Marcus Smart and Al Horford being out of the lineup. Those two are say, not equal. Eight 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 say ESPN. That's a call in line. We want to hear from you, Heat fans. A lot of radio silence so far. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. The Mets are defined by the health that they have this season. Scherzer's sure, sure done. Scherzer's sure done, by the way. I'm done, he said. Yeah, I'm done. It was a, a not a good slider. He felt something and he immediately was done. It's so early on in the season, and he got off to a good start. There's no urgency to try to rush him back or say, no. hey, Max, we're going to need you to pitch through this. No. Right? He's so good and has such a track record of being great that he earns the right to not push it. Not a good sign for the Mets, but can they weather the storm? It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let us welcome in ESPN MLB senior writer Buster Olney, who joins us right now. Buster, it's Chris Carlin, Chris Cantu. We appreciate a couple of minutes. Thanks so much, and let's get right to it. Exactly how bad is this Scherzer injury for the Mets? Well, any time you have a, a pitcher have a, a ribcage uh, type of situation, that. Not only, you know, have we, the Mets told us that the timeline is six to eight weeks, but you know that there's a chance that you could have a setback if you push it too much, which is why I think the Mets will tell them, look, make sure you take your time. I think they're having the same conversation with Jacob DeGrom. But given how well they've started, given how good their team is, I'm sure that they'll encourage both those guys. Look, we just want to make sure that you're healthy for the end of the year. 
Here's what's different about the Mets situation, though, from previous years. And, uh, you both can speak to this because you both know New York so well. For years, the Mets would be in a situation like this. You'd be like, oh, boy, you, know, you don't know if they're going to add during the year. With uh, Steve Cohen, his owner, you know that when the trade market opens up, if they need a starting pitcher, they'll go and get that guy because they're willing to spend money and they're willing to address problems. So it's a concern that you lose Scherzer. But it's also something you expect that they're going to address the problem. Buster, it's crazy to think that the Mets could be adding salary at the deadline when the payroll is nearing $300 million as it is. But I digress. But looking at the Scherzer news, Buster, it it couldn't have happened at the most inopportune time. Even though the Mets have a seven-game cushion in the NL East, you're talking about in the month of June having series against the Dodgers, Padres, Angels, Brewers, and a home-and-home with the Astros. So, point blank, do the Mets have enough to stay in pole position when they go through that stretch of the season and stay atop the NL East? I think they do uh, because of the depth of their uh, their position players, uh, Carrasco, Bassett. I, I think they'll be okay. I think if there's somebody to add, then they'll go and do that. And, and the fact that they've been able to build an eight-game lead on the Braves, and, and you know, I'm focused more on them because they're the defending champions, you know, gives them some margin for error. And the Braves are still trying to figure out some stuff. So, uh, you know, just having that cushion early on will be a big, uh, you know, will be a good thing for them. And having Buck Walter in the dugout, Chris, as well, because you know, like, he's going to say what he said after yesterday's game. Hey, we'll be okay. We'll figure this out. Buster, with that in mind, has there been a change, and if so, how, of the kind of the vibes around that? Because, yes, in years past, it wouldn't just be fans. I'm sure it's creeping into some of the players of, oh, boy, here we go again. There's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and I think there's a confidence uh, that the organization will be able to figure it out. I mentioned in how in the past there are times when the, you know, the Mets would go through a situation like this and the players, you'd walk into the clubhouse and they'd be whispering to you, do you think they'll spend money? Do you think we'll actually address this problem? Do you think we'll figure this out? Uh, when you're around the Mets this year, there's such confidence, you know, uh, in the other guys in the room, in the coaching staff, in Buck Showalter, and the front office to go out and, and solve problems. And, and I think that, you know, as opposed to looking at uh, situations like this glass half empty, you know, which has been the case with the Mets in the past, I think that the folks in the organization are going to be looking at it as glass half full, like, hey, we will find a way. Buster, looking at the Mets lineup last year, didn't necessarily manufacture a whole lot of runs. They were 27th in runs scored last year. This year, you're talking about a team that's top five in Major League Baseball. From your perspective, what's been the biggest difference with this Mets lineup from last year to this year? First off, the depth, more specifically, I think Jeff McNeil, you know, who's in the conversation early on for you know, potentially being you know, MVP among their position players. And I do think that Pete Alonso has developed as a hitter. I was looking at his numbers this morning. Guys, he's on pace this year to drive in 145 runs. So we think of him as being the, you know, the big slugger who's going to bash a lot of home runs and not a lot beyond that. He's a good hitter. You know, He'll find a way to drive in runs and be the anchor of that lineup. Buster, awesome insight as usual. Appreciate a few minutes. Thanks, guys. Buster Olney of the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're not subscribed to that, you're not a baseball fan. you got to go listen to that because you get everything you need from the Baseball Tonight podcast each and every day. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. 
Coming up, the Miami Heat lose game two. Can they even win another game in this series? The Heat Nation will be heard from. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.